Content warning. The following program may contain descriptions of violence and or sexual assault that may be upsetting to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The upper left corner of the United States is full of stunning scenery. Beautiful mountains, raging rivers, breathtaking valleys, and so much more. But the Pacific Northwest is also known for something more sinister. This beautiful land also seems to be a breeding ground for serial killers and others who perform heinous acts. I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, and I've had a fascination with true crime since childhood. I'm here to tell you the true crime stories of the PNW. Grab your sweater and a cup of coffee. I'm your host, Emily, and this is The Upper Left Corner. I'll be telling you the story of Kaylee Ann Sawyer. To start off, let's profile the PNW town that this story takes place. The city of Bend, Oregon is located in Deschutes County. Bend is the largest city in central Oregon, and as of the 2010 census, the population was 76,693, which had grown from 52,000 at the 2000 census. Bend is located on the eastern edge of the Cascade Range along the Deschutes River. Economically, it started as a logging town, but it now is known as a gateway for many outdoor sports. In 2015, Men's Journal ranked Bend as one of the top 10 best places to live now. 
The term Farewell Bend was what the early pioneers referred to the point along the Deschutes River, where the town was eventually platted, and it was one of the few fordable points along the river. Until the winter of 1824, the Bend area was only known to Native Americans who hunted and fished there. That year, a fur trapping party visited the area, and other fur trapping parties and army surveys followed after that. In 1904, a small community formed around a newly built sawmill, and a city was incorporated by a general vote of the community's 300 residents. The town's name was selected to be Farewell Bend. However, the United States Postal Service shortened it to Bend. Now on to our story. For this episode, my main source is the long-form podcast on this case called Urge to Kill. It was created by the team at KGW News, and if my telling of the story piques your interest, you can get a much more in-depth look at this case by checking out the eight-part Urge to Kill podcast. I'll link it in my show notes and on my website, which is upperleftpodcast.com. In 2016, Kaylee Ann Sawyer was a 23-year-old who lived in Bend, Oregon with her boyfriend Cameron. She was a dental assistant who had decided to go back to school to pursue becoming a dentist. She was attending Central Oregon Community College. Kaylee came from a blended family, and she was the oldest child with four little brothers. She had been with her boyfriend for around two years, and they were living together at an apartment near the college campus. From all outward appearances, the couple seemed happy. On July 23, 2016, Kaylee went out with her friends and her sister to celebrate a bachelorette party. By all accounts, everyone had a great time. Her friends did notice she was dancing with someone other than Cameron, but alcohol was involved, so no one thought too much of it. Once the bride and a few of the guests had decided to call it a night, Kaylee and her friend decided to go bar hopping downtown. After a while, she decided she was ready to go home and called her boyfriend Cameron to come pick her up. They drove back to their apartment that they shared near the campus of Central Oregon Community College. However, they got into an argument as they pulled into the parking lot and Kaylee stormed off. Cameron went upstairs to the apartment, knowing that Kaylee had a habit of walking it off when she was angry. They exchanged texts where Cameron asked her to come home, but her phone died. He drove around the college campus looking for her, but he couldn't find her and went home to wait. In the morning, Cameron kept calling her phone, and it went straight to voicemail, so he contacted Kaylee's parents, and they began to search for her as well. At first, they were thinking maybe she went to a friend's house to blow off some steam, or worst-case scenario for Cameron was that maybe she met back up with that guy she was dancing with at the bar that night. But as the day went on, and Kaylee was not in contact with her boyfriend, her family, or any of the friends she had been out with the night before, everyone began to panic. By Sunday, July 24th, 2016, both Kaylee's mother, Julie, and Cameron called 911 to report her missing. They made a missing flyer with a picture of Kaylee wearing a Red Sox hat leaning against a tree. She was an absolutely gorgeous young woman with blonde hair and big blue eyes. To Julie, Cameron's story wasn't adding up, and she started to get suspicious of him. The police viewed Cameron as the initial suspect, as the boyfriend-slash-husband typically is, but the police stated that he was completely cooperative, handing them his computer and anything else they asked for immediately and willingly. He was ruled out fairly quickly as a suspect, and then they moved on to finding the man from the bar. But he was also quickly ruled out when his story matched that of her friends that they just danced and went their separate ways. They were still entertaining the idea that maybe she just needed to blow off some steam and she would show up to work on Monday. But when Monday morning rolled around, they got the crushing news that she did not show up to work. Knowing how much her job meant to her, the last hope that Kaylee was okay was lost. 
A few days after Kaylee was reported missing, a rookie Bend police officer named Isabel Ponce Laura arrived at the Bend police station, but not for her shift. She demanded to speak with the detectives on the case immediately and told investigators that her husband, 31-year-old Edwin Lara, had confessed to her that he had killed a girl with his car and hid her body in a panic. She shared that she was skeptical of her husband's story. He was a security guard on the Central Oregon Community College campus, so she couldn't understand why he wouldn't have just called for help, and she couldn't figure out why he would hide a body if it was an accident. When the investigators asked where Edwin was, she stated that her husband had taken her gun and her car and she hadn't seen him since. The police set out to search the couple's home, and in the shed, they made the ominous discovery of a clump of blood-matted hair that appeared to belong to Kaylee, along with her purse and all of her belongings from the night she went missing. At that point, the police had a difficult task of letting her parents know that the case was being moved from a missing persons case to a homicide. Back at the station, the police continued to question Isabel about her husband, and a history of all of their marriage troubles came to the surface. While she was at the police academy, Edwin was caught having an affair. Like I said, Isabel was a rookie Bend police officer, so this affair had happened within months of Kaylee's disappearance. Edwin and Isabel tried to make their marriage work by making lifestyle changes, such as getting involved in a church and giving up alcohol together. Despite their efforts, she said the marriage was still in trouble. The authorities' next move was to find Edwin, as they were concerned as to what he would do next. They put out a bolo, or be on the lookout, for Edwin and his car, and they tried to have Isabel call Edwin, but he didn't answer. Little did they know that another young woman had already gone missing. 19-year-old Andrea Mays grew up in Wapato, Washington, but had recently moved to Salem, Oregon. She loved being outdoors and had a job at the Ross Dress for Less store. Two days after Kaylee went missing and before Isabel had decided to turn her husband in, Andrea walked to her car after working a double shift at around 8 p.m. She started her car and was looking at her phone when a stranger reached his hand through the cracked window of her car. He got in the car with a gun and a backpack and at gunpoint told her to drive. He instructed her to get on the freeway, stating that he needed to get to California and that he had just killed someone. He was very chatty and told her lots of details about what had happened to Kaylee, but Andrea was unaware of the disappearance that had happened over two hours away from her. He told her that he had killed a woman, drove to his parents' house to swap out cars, and drove the over two hours to Salem and waited in that parking lot looking for the perfect woman to abduct. About an hour after they got on the freeway, Edwin thought Andrea was driving too fast and was worried that they might get pulled over, so he decided that he wanted to drive. He handcuffed her to the gear shift and continued to drive. He was very talkative, asking lots of questions and telling Andrea about Kaylee. After a few hours, Edwin pulled into a hotel to get a room. Andrea, who has given interviews to both Dateline and the Urge to Kill podcast, says she doesn't understand how nobody in the lobby had noticed something was off with them. There was a clear age gap, and Andrea said she had been crying and looked like it, with her makeup running down her face. I feel like this is a good reminder to always be aware of your surroundings, and if your gut is telling you something is wrong, it's okay to alert authorities. It's better to be wrong and have things sorted out than to stay quiet when someone could be in a bad situation. Once they were checked into the room, he forced her to take sleeping pills by showing her a syringe and saying if she didn't take the pills, he would inject her with something. She tried to fight the sleep, but after working a double shift, being traumatized by a kidnapping, taking sleeping pills, and the fact that it was late at night, she was nodding in and out of sleep. He began to get close to her in the bed, and she felt like she was going to be sexually assaulted. But before he even touched her, her phone went off with an alarm. 
This freaked Edwin out, and on the spot, Andrea came up with the best story that may have saved her from being sexually assaulted. She told him that it was an alarm to remind her to take her medicine to treat an STD, which was a complete lie. She made it sound as disgusting as possible, and this caused Edwin to back off. So, so smart of Andrea. That same night, Edwin answered his phone, and something in that conversation spooked him. He told Andrea that they had to go right away. She begged for him to take her car and leave her at the hotel, but he wouldn't go for it. They made it to California, but Andrea's car began to have troubles. In Northern California, he pulled over at a Wairika Super 8 motel and told Andrea they were going to steal a car. They pulled up next to a random car and waited. At around 5 a.m., an older man with photography equipment came out to his car and started loading it up and then went back to his room to get more equipment. When the man opened the door out of his hotel room, Edwin and Andrea were in the doorway with a gun pointed at him. Edwin told the man to be quiet repeatedly, but the man continued to yell for help, and Edwin shot him in the stomach. This man was taken to the hospital in critical condition, but luckily he did survive, but still has lingering effects from the gunshot wound. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Wild is a gallery dedicated to art produced by Native American artists. With a wide range of prices and items ranging from original art as well as prints and posters, you're sure to find something within your budget to fall in love with. I visited wild.gallery and found they have a variety of gorgeous pieces. I especially love the search feature where you could narrow the results by tribe. My grandparents had a bunch of artwork from the Navajo tribe when I was growing up, so I loved browsing the pieces that were available from that specific tribe. The one that caught my eye was called Visions by artist Ronald Chi. To browse today, head over to wild.gallery today. That's wild spelled W-Y-L-D dot gallery and find your next piece of beautiful art. Let's take a minute to talk about teeth. Between my AM love of coffee and my PM love of red wine, my teeth definitely need some attention to keep them whiter and brighter. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about my new sponsor, Smile Brilliant. If you're like me, you're confused by all of the teeth whitening products on the market. But since taking Smile Brilliant on as a sponsor, I've learned that the number one dentist recommended product is the custom fitted tray. However, they're very, very costly at the dentist office. That's why the best option is Smile Brilliant. With their lab's direct process, you can have a custom-fitted teeth whitening tray at a fraction of the price without a single visit to the dentist. Using an exact model of your teeth, Smile Brilliant's lab technicians will handcraft your trays to ensure the best possible results. Simply order the system at smilebrilliant.com, make your dental impressions at home, and return them to Smile Brilliant using the prepaid envelope provided. In a matter of a week, your trays will be back in the mail. As an upper left corner listener, enjoy 30% off site-wide at smilebrilliant.com using code UPPERLEFT, all one word. That code is also good on their other amazing products, such as their night guards or electric toothbrushes. Head on over to smilebrilliant.com today. Every year, over 125,000 Americans die from overdose and suicide combined. That's not even talking about the other causes of death related to substance and mental health, just those two. And these deaths are completely preventable. That is why Jay Schiffman, a public speaker and coach, has started the podcast, Choose Your Struggle. Jay interviews people with lived experience on topics of mental health, substance misuse, and recovery to help end the stigma and normalize the difficult conversations through empathy and vulnerability. 
There are massive system changes that need to happen, but until we can have honest conversations around these topics, these lives will continue to be lost. This is why Jay started the Choose Your Struggle podcast. He tells his story as a guy in long-term recovery who survived two suicide attempts and an overdose. He's taking a second chance at life and making it meaningful by using this podcast as a platform. With over 100 five-star ratings, the Choose Your Struggle podcast is for everyone, from those struggling with substance or mental health issues to the people who love them. Check out the Choose Your Struggle podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. And now back to the story. Edwin dragged Andrea through the parking lot and began to look for another car to steal. He found a new Target at the gas station across the street. All of the car doors were open, and a grandmother and her two teenage grandsons were in the car. Edwin shoved Andrea in the car and forced one of the teens to drive, leaving the boys' father and another family member in the gas station. As they drove, Edwin was again talkative with his victims. The boys told Edwin, why don't you drop us off and take the car? He made the point that the family members that were left at the gas station would have called the police by now, and so he would be better off to run without them, and luckily, Edwin listened and let the boys and their grandma out at the next rest area. Andrea begged again to be let go, but he told her no and let her know what the plan was and the real reason why he had abducted her. He was going to need her if he got in a shootout with the police, basically saying he was keeping her as a human shield. He began recording everything and made a video that I'll play for you right now. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to say that I apologize for everything I've done. Most likely, I'm going to get caught. And uh, sorry about that girl. My bad girl in Central Oregon. And I just want to let family members, uh, Andrea, that she's fine and she will be fine because uh, so far she's been doing. Uh, what I've been going to do, you know, and, and if you guys are wondering uh, if I have done dirty things to her, no, all right, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, I just, I used to kill that other girl, you know, and I regret it, I regret killing her, you know, she kept screaming and I've been talking to her forever. So, you know, like I say, she's still fine. We're driving, and she'll be home pretty soon. I'm sorry to her grandma and her family members, to her boyfriend. You know, I'm sorry for everything that I caused. Okay, and you'll see her pretty soon. Okay, so the cops said not to shoot us, because if they shoot us, then that's not my fault. Okay, but... Sorry, everybody. Bye. He asked Andrea to post it on her Facebook page, and she argued with him. She then agreed to post it, but changed the privacy setting to only me so no one else could see it. At this point, Edwin was going around 100 miles per hour, and a CHP officer attempted to pull him over. But Edwin just kept going. During the pursuit, he was driving recklessly at around 120 miles per hour. He then called 911 to try and negotiate. He agreed to pull over in Corning, but asked them to go easy on him due to his asthma. I wish you could see my eyes roll right now. He confessed on the phone with the dispatcher to killing Kaylee and continued to talk with them, but kept on driving while being chased by the police. At one point, he asked the dispatcher if he should get off the phone because it's illegal to talk and drive, 
and the dispatcher told him that that was the least of his worries right now. Edwin finally pulled to the side of the road and surrendered. He was arrested, and the police ordered Andrea out of the car. She finally thought the ordeal was going to be over, but they took her to jail too. She had not been reported missing out of Salem, so they very unfortunately assumed that she was an accomplice. She was arrested, complete with strip search and mugshot. Her mugshot would be on the news that night, right next to Edwin Lara's, for the high-speed chase. Luckily, when the authorities back in Oregon were alerted to the arrest, they hopped on a plane to help clear things up and attempt to interview Edwin. Andrea was then released. Edwin was eager to talk and immediately agreed to show them where they could find Kaylee's remains. He even drew a map. The detectives immediately called officers back home with the directions so they could go check that spot. They found Kaylee's remains down a ravine off of Highway 126 near Redmond, Oregon. However, Edwin's story about hitting Kaylee with his car did not add up. After hours of interrogation and being able to perform an autopsy and obtain physical evidence from her remains, the full picture of what happened that night came to light. And the authorities state that the real story went like this. Kaylee was walking towards the college campus after the fight with Cameron. Her phone had died and she may have become disoriented with where she was as she had tried to explain where she was to Cameron before her phone died, but he couldn't find her. As she was walking, an SUV pulled up to her that said public safety. It was Edwin Lara, the on-duty security officer at COCC. She got in the back seat expecting to have a safe ride home. However, the driver started asking for sex, and she realized that the doors could not be opened in the back seat, just like a police car. Realizing she was in trouble, she started screaming and trying to get out. To quiet her, he got her out of the car and choked her until she passed out. He then put her back in the car and drove her to a quiet parking lot on campus. Once there, she started screaming and trying to break through the center glass divider, attempting to turn on the lights and sirens. He took her out of the car and choked her unconscious again. Kaylee was then raped and bludgeoned to death with a rock. He left her in the parking lot and went to the school gym to take a shower and even encountered a coworker who said the interaction was completely normal. He then got his personal vehicle, went back to the parking lot, and loaded Kaylee's body into that car. He then dumped her body in the ravine near Redmond. And that was when Edwin Lara went home and got into bed with his wife, who was a Bend police officer. On July 29, 2016, Edwin was arraigned on charges of attempted murder, kidnapping, carjacking, and assault with a firearm in the state of California. However, a huge blow came for the confession in Kaylee's case. At some point, Edwin had inquired with a jail employee about requesting a lawyer, but no one ever allowed it. Also, as soon as he was booked into jail, he should have received three phone calls, and Edwin claims he did not. Unfortunately, the court had to throw out the confession that Edwin had made in California, and it would not be admissible in court in Kaylee's case. However, there was so much evidence, they were not too concerned about taking the case to trial. Meanwhile, the prosecutor in Oregon announced that he would seek the death penalty. This caused Edwin Lara to agree to a plea agreement of life in prison with no possibility of parole, which spared the family of going through a trial. Kaylee's family and friends were able to give victim impact statements at the plea agreement hearing, and they were able to speak directly to Edwin Lara. I have listened to all the victim impact statements, and they were all very moving and emotional, including the clip in the trailer where Kaylee's grandpa tells him to rotten hell scumbag. Edwin Lara then decided to speak publicly for the first time in the courtroom that day. He addressed the family and began to pray about God healing the family's hearts. Many of Kaylee's family members walked out of the courtroom as he blabbered on. In August of 2016, Isabel Ponce Lara filed for divorce and resigned as a Bend police officer. Andrea, who was unbelievably wise and strong during her ordeal, has been moving forward in her life. She did not get her car or her phone back, so she said she has worked hard 
and bought her dream car, a Jeep. She's now working on getting a place of her own and has plans to write a book about her kidnapping. She says one of the things that bothers her the most to this day about what happened is that when you Google her name, her mugshot still shows up. In 2019, Edwin Lara was sentenced to a second life sentence for the kidnapping of Andrea, and he still has charges pending in California for the attempted murder at the Super 8 and the carjacking and kidnapping of the family. Those will likely never go anywhere since he is already serving two life sentences without parole. In May of 2019, Kaylee's father, Jamie, along with her stepmom, Crystal, helped pass Kaylee's law, which mandates stricter vetting of private security officers, like the ones at COCC. They must run national background checks on their officers, and their uniforms must look different from police officers. Their vehicles must also have GPS tracking and video systems, and prohibits them from having blue and red light bars on their vehicles, and they cannot have the center divider in their car. Kaylee's dad, Jamie, said that these measures may have saved Kaylee's life, as Edwin had admitted in his confession that Kaylee seemed to trust him as if he were a law enforcement officer. In an interview with KTVZ News, Jamie's attorney, Tim Williams, stated of Kaylee's murder, quote, This tragedy was not unforeseeable, end quote. He went on to say that in previous years, students, professors, and even the Bend police chief had warned COCC officials that the campus public safety department was acting outside of their legal authority and that tragic events could result. He said the school had even paid for an internal safety audit and the results recommended major changes to the conduct and appearance of the campus public safety officers. But Williams said COCC did nothing. In the summer of 2020, Kaylee's mom, Julie, settled a federal civil lawsuit against Central Oregon Community College for $2 million, which was over the Oregon state cap for wrongful death suits. Her mom believes this was COCC's way of owning up to their role in Kaylee's death. More information came to the surface about Edwin Lara during the civil litigation, which were serious red flags. It turns out that other members of the COCC Campus Public Safety Department knew of his fascination with dead bodies and that he had shown co-workers nude photographs and pornographic videos of himself and a woman he was having an affair with. His actions were so alarming that a female co-worker refused to ride in the same vehicle with him. He also lied about being a police officer in Honduras and how he had seen chopped up bodies there. Also, had COCC run a background check on him or had his co-workers reported his inappropriate behavior, they may have discovered that he had once plotted a murder and had struggled with an urge to kill for his entire life. Julie said after the settlement, quote, She had 23 amazing years, and I want that to be remembered, not the 20 minutes with the defendant. To keep her memory alive, Julie founded a program called KK's Readers after Kaylee's childhood nickname. The program donates the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, to Head Start Preschoolers, which was Kaylee's favorite book as a child. She loved Dr. Seuss because she shared a birthday with him. This week, in honor of Kaylee, I added a new page on my website called Support Victim Causes. If you visit it, you will see information about KK's readers, and if you click on the Purchase a Book button, it takes you to the Amazon page where you can purchase books that will be sent to KK's readers to be distributed to Head Start students. I plan on linking future causes related to the cases I cover and will let you know when there is an opportunity to help. When asked what he hopes people remember about Kaylee, Detective Beckwith says, quote, I hope they remember Kaylee as being a warrior because she beats him. She takes his life. While he's trying to kill her, and he does, she takes his life by the way she fought. The trail of evidence she left behind, she does all the things we would want her to do, and she wins because he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And that is the story of Kaylee Sawyer.
week's local wine that I sipped to research this horrifically sad case is Wilder Chardonnay out of the Columbia Valley. Vented and bottled in Walla Walla, Washington. A beautifully round and balanced white with apple and peach aromas lead to persimmon and butterscotch, finishing with orange zest. I'm not even going to lie. I picked this bottle up for super cheap at the grocery outlet, but man, was it tasty. Cheers, and thanks for listening. Upper Left Corner, a PNW true crime podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a five-star rating and review and share it with a friend. All of the sources for this episode are listed in the show notes and at upperleftpodcast.com. You can follow the show on Instagram at Upper Left Corner Pod or on Facebook at Upper Left Corner Podcast. If you have a case suggestion or a PNW wine recommendation, please email me at upperleftpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your support.